Welcome to Shot on Film, starring Caleb, Anthony, and Stephen. No, wait, I'm sorry, Stephen apparently died, and his ghost now haunts the studio. That's awkward. And now, Shot on Film. As you just heard that fine, wonderful, distinguished British man say, I am your host, Caleb, and... This is weird. This is the the start of a new era. This is the start of the Caleb era on the podcast. Uh, There's no Anthony and there's no Stephen. Of course, Stephen has been a ghost for a while now, uh, ever since he died about a year and a half ago. And Anthony uh, has, of course, moved to Nepal to do uh, social work, which is fantastic. He's a brave, brave, distinguished man. And I wish him all the success in the world. But you're not here to hear me talk about Anthony or Stephen or Caleb for that matter, you're here to hear me talk to you about Star Wars. Star Wars is such a strange franchise because it really began like blockbusters. And I know people are like, oh, no, no, it's Jaws. Jaws started is what began the age of the blockbuster, but it's really Star Wars. Like if it wasn't for the Star Wars films, you wouldn't have these franchises like the MCU or, you know, other popular movie franchises that I definitely remember off the top of my head. Uh, But Star Wars, it's such a strange global thing because, like, you know, the first uh, Star Wars film came out in 1977. And to this day, you can still, like, like, people are, it's so in the public consciousness. And the movie came out, like, 40 fucking years ago. And, you know, you have this original set of movies that people hold in high regards. And these movies come out, have come out since then that everybody just kind of debates endlessly about their quality. And and now, but... You know, we're not. We're going to be talking about those over the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about all about the prequels. We're going to talk about the sequels. We're going to talk about the sidequel Star Wars stories. We're going to talk about the Clone Wars. It's going to be great. With your old Uncle Caleb, I am definitely not an uncle. I am a cousin to some, uh, but I'm not an uncle. Wait, am I an uncle? No, I'm not. I don't have siblings. That's stupid. That was dumb of me. Uh, but anyway, so let's get into the nitty gritty of today's episode. The first Star Wars. Star Wars. Uh, I mean, since then, it's been called Episode 4, A New Hope, but when it came out, it was just Star Wars. They didn't know if there was going to be a sequel or prequels or any shit like that. It was just called Star Wars when it first came out, and A New Hope was added later. If you ask me, I really like this film just being called Star Wars. I think A New Hope is kind of a goofy title, but then again, most Star Wars movies have really silly titles, and every time a new title gets announced, everybody's like, that's dumb. It's like, they're all kind of dumb. Like, really think about it. Like, is The Empire Strikes Back a good title for a movie? Not really, but we're used to it. You know, it's, it's just like when these new character names get, get announced. Like when Kylo Ren and Finn and Rey and those names got announced. Everyone was like, those names are dumb. It's like, yeah, because Chewbacca and like Luke Skywalker are really cool names that you definitely don't like because you were a kid the first time you heard them. So anyhow, A New Hope, Star Wars. Uh, was written and directed by George Lucas, everyone's favorite depressed grandpa. A cinematography by Gilbert Taylor, who also did the cinematography for Flash Gordon, uh, which makes a lot of sense. Stars Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Peter Cushing, Alec Guinness, James Earl Jones, yes, David Prowse, uh, uh, Anthony Daniels, Kenny Baker, Peter Mayhew, Phil Brown, and Sheila Fraser. And if you don't recognize those last two names, that is Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, I just wanted to give them a little bit of credit since they, I mean, I know they're not really that, they're more of plot points for Luke's character, but, you know, I just wanted to name them. It's weird that Beru wears a jean jacket in Star Wars. 
try to not notice that next time. So we open up from space. We go from the opening crawl. So the opening crawl is this really cool thing. Like it's really fucking cheesy where it's just like, oh, here's what's happening. But it's very unique and fun. It takes you back to its adventure serial roots because George Lucas was a big fan of the of that style of filmmaking. And now it's known as the Star Wars thing. Like no other movies can really do like a opening crawl that kind of goes down because it's going to get compared to Star Wars. Like, yeah, it's just the Star Wars thing. If you go to like movie, if you go to like iMovie or like any movie making uh, software, it has literally a Star Wars format for people. I'm assuming just for fan films, uh, which is fun. But you know, even the fucking Marvel comics have the opening crawl, and they are goddamn comics. So there's that. So we immediately go from that to an Imperial Star Destroyer uh, chasing after uh, the Rebel blockade runner, which I believe is called the Taint of Four, if I am correct. Uh, and basically, the plot of this film is that Darth Vader, representing the Empire with all the stormtroopers, and I like how I'm explaining the plot of Star Wars like uh, you haven't seen it already, but you know, it is going after this blockade runner. And on this blockade runner, uh, which I don't even really know what the fuck that means, uh, we have Princess Leia, who has the plans for the super weapon called the Death Star that she is trying to get to the rebel base that is trying to take down the Empire so they can take down this giant super weapon. And yay, maybe even help free the galaxy sometime. That'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Um, and my favorite thing about this film, or an aspect I like, is how the Empire isn't really explained. Like, it is just kind of this force, and you know that Darth Vader isn't in charge of it. Like, you know that he's not the Emperor, but, like, the Emperor is just vaguely alluded to. You don't know that it's Ian McDermott in all of his hammy glory quite yet. And it's just really fun. So anyway, so Darth Vader uh, and some stormtroopers invade the ship. Uh, they, uh, in, in a really tense scene, uh, that's just really, it's very seventies and it's very like silly, but like, it's still good. I don't know. And the set design in this movie is fucking beautiful. Like the, uh, the ends in the inside of the tainted four is so gorgeous looking with like the white walls and the doors. It's like iconic at this point. And you see that again later with like on Tatooine, like all the sets just look amazing. Then the Death Star sets fantastic. Uh, the bar on the Mos Eisley Cantina, the interior of the Millennium Falcon, like the production of this movie was fucking hell. And yes, as a cosmonaut variety hour has pointed out, uh, or Marcus from that, I don't want to hear that's not his name is not cosmonaut variety hour. You know, it, this movie feeling lived in was sort of an accident. And yeah, that's definitely true. <laughs> like, I think that like, you know, Darth Vader having fingerprints on his helmet, like that wasn't intentional to make the universe feel lived in. It was just a, a weird production on a 1970s movie. And also David Prowse, who uh, is Darth Vader. Uh, I'm sorry. He's not Darth Vader. He's the guy who wore the suit. And yes, physicality is a big part of acting, but David Prowse is kind of an asshole. And I think the way that he has said that, because uh, if you actually have heard his voice on set, he, it sounds like shit. And I don't think these movies would have done as well. And Darth Vader would not be the iconic character he is without the sweet, deep tones of James Earl Jones. Uh, but David Prowse disagrees. He thinks it would have been great. He thinks it's reverse racism, uh, which is not a real thing. And uh, yeah, just uh, I just fucking don't like that guy. At all. I know at one point he was going to do a... Or he was trying to put together a cut of the movie where it is him doing all the dialogue. And if you ask me, that's goofy as fuck. And I'm happy that in Return of the Jedi, it's not him under the mask. Uh, it's Sebastian Shaw. So, I don't know. My whole point of this little side tangent is I don't fucking like David Prowse. I think he's kind of a cock. Fuck him. So anyway, but yeah, the set design in this film is amazing. Uh, especially, you know, you uh, that's where we get introduced to C-3PO and R2-D2, who they get the plans from Princess Leia. And they go down to Tatooine, which is a planet that they these movies fucking love so much because it's just sand and it's simple to do. 
And yeah, I like Tatooine. I think it's a cool environment because it just looks like a bunch of like, it's just a bunch of like criminals and like farmers. And I don't know, it's very classic sci-fi in a lot of ways. And I just, I don't know, I really dig Tatooine. I, I think it's fun. Um, so, yeah, so 3PO and R2 are like wandering around. And might I just note, uh, C-3PO is played very dutifully by Anthony Daniels, who he's a bit of a pretentious guy. Uh, but I like C-3PO. He's fun. I like his character design, especially in A New Hope. Like, he just looks so dirty, and I love it. And R2-D2 is really fun. And Kenny Baker really doesn't get enough credit for, like, fucking sitting in that tin can as much as he did. And, yeah, I've heard a lot of stuff about being, people being dicks to him on set, and that is not okay. Don't rest in peace, Kenny Baker. I'm thinking about you. So, so they're wandering around in the desert, and eventually they get taken by Jawas, and it's like, oh, no. And then guess what? Uh, and because they get taken by Jawas and Jawas decide to sell droids to farmers, uh, Uncle Owen, uh, that's not his Christian name. I believe his name is Owen Lars, but for the sake of this, we're going to call him Uncle Owen. And his nephew, who is later explained as his real technical nephew via adoption, uh, Luke Skywalker, uh, is there. They uh, get the droids. Luke is not happy about this. He just wanted to go to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. And he discovers through R2 that he that there's a message from Princess Leia looking for someone named Obi-Wan Kenobi. And this turns out to be Alec Guinness, uh, who has been living on Tatooine uh, as this hermit named Ben Kenobi, which is great. You know, if, if I was going to change my name, what I would do is I would move to my former student's hometown. And then I would, instead of calling, you know, I would, uh, I would change my first name, not my last name. And I would wear the clothes that I wore <laughs> When I not only when I knew my student, but also you know the clothes of the Jedi Order, like that's definitely that's how you hide out really well. Good job, Obi Wan. You're, you're a real smart cookie. I like you. And I, I've got to say, Alec Guinness's performance as Obi Wan is pretty fantastic. I know he hates these movies, or he hated these movies rather, because he passed away like 20 years ago. But like he is really good. He's a really good actor. He brings a lot. Of, him and Peter Cushing, I feel like brought so much prestige to this film. And I know I, I can hear you saying, but what about Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford? It's like they weren't when this movie came out, they were just those actors. They weren't like Mark Hamill wasn't Mark Hamill. Uh, Harrison Ford wasn't Harrison Ford. Carrie Fisher wasn't Carrie Fisher yet. So it's like, you know, you have these actors with prestige like Peter Cushing and Alec Guinness. And it's like, oh, my God. Uh, and then Orson Welles was also almost in this movie as Darth Vader. But then Lucas was like, I think his voice is too recognizable. And I agree. Um, you know, it, it, I love Orson Welles, but yeah, I, I think going with uh, James Earl Jones was like such a perfect decision. I think it's the best casting choice in the original trilogy, besides maybe Harrison Ford as Han Solo. Um, but yeah, I noticed I'm going through this like uh movie beat for beat, uh, similar to our episode on Under the Silver Lake, but maybe that's not the point because you you know the plot of Star Wars, like you you pretty much know, even though I'm catching you up. So let's get into the nitty gritty of like what makes this like such a good movie that has stood the test of time. You know, in I think it's really just because it's a it's simple. Like it's a simple hero's journey with an interesting world that's lived in. Like you have these offhanded lines where Obi-Wan will reference the Clone Wars and you don't and we know what that is now. Uh it's a TV show that ran from 2008 to 2020 that was on Cartoon Network and then Netflix and then Disney Plus. Um but you know at the time it's like what's the Clone Wars? What's Tashi Station? What's a power converter? Who is Biggs? What the fuck are they talking about? What's the Empire? Like, what is the Rebellion? How long has the Rebellion been going on? And you get these little hints, and there's so much good character work. Like, how we learn that Luke's a good pilot before we see him in the X-Wing. We know that Han Solo is a dastardly scoundrel 
uh, because he sh- of the way he handles the Greedo situation. I'm not going to talk about the Greedo thing uh, at this point. I just think it's the Han shot first sh- shit because I just think it's funny that every new release of the movie, like even on Disney Plus, they have to add something new to it. At this point, I think it's a, it's hilarious and we should just keep going with this joke uh, because I, I don't think it matters at this point. Um, and I do think this film's biggest detriment is the special edition stuff. Yeah, the Greedo shit is dumb, but you know, I can laugh at it now. Like there are complete shots that are ruined because George thought it would be a good idea to put like a, a big CGI like creature in front of the lens, uh, which is extremely goofy. Like, why would you do that? Um, but yeah, you know, so yeah, uh, Han's a great character. You know, Chewbacca, he's not much of an actual character in these movies, but like you get little hints of his personality. It's fun. Like how, you know, his little banter with Han, even though you don't know what he's saying. And it, it, it's cool. I like how Leia isn't, the, even though she's a princess, it's like, ooh, it's Princess Leia. We got to rescue her. The second that she gets out of that uh, holding cell, she's like shooting motherfuckers. She's bossing everybody around. She's very sassy. And I like that. I, I, I like that she's not just a damsel. I like that she can handle herself. And it's fucking cool. I think that's another reason that Leia was such an iconic character. You know, and it's actually really funny because, again, like, if this movie came out today, uh, a bunch of, like, weirdos on the internet would be like, whoa, Leia's such a, uh, like, I hate, why didn't they just let, why did they let her be sassy? It's so stupid. I hate women. And it's just like, you know, because this movie came out in the 70s and, so, or, and because those people grew up with this movie, they don't mind Leia. But then, you know, if, if it was Brie Larson, they'd be like, oh, my God. So... It's weird. It's weird how stuff like that changes um, and how people will be like, but we have Ripley and Leia and this. It's like, yeah, but we should be making new female characters. Women are people who exist. Let's give them an opportunity to be in things. Yeah. Women. Great stuff. Anyway, I like Leia. I think she's a good character. Um, yeah, I like Obi-Wan and Vader's confrontation. I like how when they're talking to each other, while you can tell there's history, Obi-Wan does, and this is because Lucas didn't know that Vader was going to be Luke's dad yet. But there's like history with them and they don't, it's not like, oh, my old uh, Anakin, I remember when I burned you. There's nothing like that gives away that Vader's Anakin. I think it's cool. And yes, people do shit on that fight a lot where they're like, oh my God, like uh, it's not that good anymore. It's just a bunch of old people like poking each other with sticks. It's like, look, yes, that fight is not aged well. But it came out in the 70s. I think it's charming and I don't mind it. And I kind of would prefer that over some of the lightsaber fights in the prequels. Like, you're going to tell me that, like, Obi-Wan fighting a dude with four arms and they're just swinging at each other is a good fight? No. No, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that's interesting. You know, I, I'm more interested in when characters fight, yes, it should be well choreographed. I like a good choreographed fight. I like good, I like good fight scenes. But also, the emotion behind the fight is also a thing that should matter. I don't care about Obi-Wan fighting some dude with four arms that's not even a real person that's standing there. You know what I do care about? I care about this old man that we spent some time with fighting his old pupil uh, who killed Anakin, uh, as far as we know, in this movie. And I think it's fun. And I like the fact that he sacrifices himself to so Luke can get away. I think it's pretty cool. I think it's weird that Darth Vader can't sense that Leia's Force-sensitive or that she's his daughter, but it's because they didn't know yet. And that gets into my big gripe with this movie, which is that Luke and Leia are clearly in, or Luke is at least in love with Leia. And it's really fucking weird. And here's the thing. You can have a revelation that two people are related. Because again, Luke doesn't know he's Vader's son. That works. But Luke and Leia being revealed to be siblings doesn't make any fucking sense. Because in A New Hope, 
Luke is clearly just like, wow, I got to save this princess and maybe she'll give me a kiss. And then in Empire Strikes Back, they kiss. Like, seriously, don't, you can't have them be brother and sister after that. It's weird. It's weird. Please don't do that. Stop it. Stop it, George. What are you doing? Just because you're fucking lazy. Because I guess the whole thing was that there was, they were going to reveal, like, that there was another Skywalker and that was going to lead into, like, the sequel trilogy eventually. And Leia and Luke and Leia were never going to be related. But, of course, George got lazy, uh, which you can tell if you've watched Return of the Jedi. I'm sorry. That's, that's rude. Uh, and, yeah, it's just weird. Uh, but I like Han Solo. He's really good. In fact, I would say the best performance in that first movie is between Alec Guinness, James Earl Jones, and Harrison Ford. Like, seriously, they're great. But one problem is, I've heard people say that, Luke, that uh, Mark Hamill was really bad in the original trilogy. And I think that's stupid. Like, I think he's a really good actor. Like, he's playing this 19-year-old kid who is a farmer, but he doesn't want to be a farmer. He, he hopes and wishes for so much more. And he's a little whiny at first, and then he, he grows into himself. It's the hero's journey. He's got a call to action. He does the thing. It's cool. He blows up the Death Star. I don't know. It's, it's called character progression. Um, it seems to be a thing that people only complain about with Luke. Uh, especially in the sequel trilogy, which, oh boy, I can't wait to talk about that, where if when a character starts in one place, people get upset and they don't understand that character progression exists, so like Luke can be whiny at the beginning of the movie, and then at the end of the movie, he guess what, he's the hero, because he's our main character, uh, and I'm excited to talk about my opinions about him in The Last Jedi, when he's an old man, that'll be fun, because again, people only want to talk about the beginning of the movie, they don't want to talk about the actual arc that happens within the film. Um, but yeah, so yeah, A New Hope is damn near a perfect movie. Like, I think it's really great. It's paced super well. When it's, it's, sometimes it's boring, but I like that. I like it when my sci-fi is a little boring, and it's like, we have these long shots of wandering in the desert, and then the action scenes aren't that great, but they're fun. And this film is full of personality and ideas and performance. It feels like this raw energy, like, like a, a filmmaker being heard. And like ideas coming to life and it makes people want to think and, and make movies and it's great. And that's why I love this film. I've loved this film since I was a child because it makes you think and, and desire and want to be more than you are. Like the best scene in this movie is when Luke uh, in the binary sunset theme plays where Luke is just looking off at the sunset and he's just so full of just he wants nothing more to just be who he is. He doesn't want to be who other people want him to be. He doesn't want to be on the stupid shitty planet anymore. You know, he wants to go out and, and be someone and fight for something and learn who he is, you know, and because it's constantly alluded to that he's too much like his father. It's like he wants to be like his father, even though he doesn't really know who his father is yet. And it's it's cool. It's a wonderful film. And yeah, I don't I don't know what else to say. It's, it's hard to be like, yeah, Star Wars is amazing. You know, Star Wars is amazing. Um, so anyway, so that is just the first film in this trilogy that we're discussing in then in 1980. We got the sequel, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, or I guess it's episode five now, uh, directed by Irvin Kirshner, which a lot of people, I feel like, don't realize that Lucas didn't direct all of the original trilogy. A cinematography by Peter Shushitsky, Shushitsky, uh, written by Lawrence Kasdan and Leah Brackett. Uh, and while we have a lot of recurring people like Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford, Peter Mayhew, all them, we have some new cast members like... Billy D. Williams, Frank Oz, Jeremy Bullock, who would later be replaced by Tamara Morrison, and Clive Revel, who was later replaced by Ian McDiarmid. Uh, so The Empire Strikes Back is widely regarded as the best Star Wars film, and I agree 100%. This is one of, if not my favorite movie of all time, 
because it takes everything that was good about the first movie and it expands on it in such a great way. Like you began on Hoth, the rebels are fighting back against the Empire. Uh, Luke learns more about the Force. Uh, Han and Leia, their relationship starts to bloom. Because in the first movie, you get hints that Han is interested in Leia because she's a very pretty woman and she has money. But in this movie, they, uh, they kind of expand on that a bit more. And it becomes more of a love tri- triangle between Han and Luke and Leia. And if you don't think that's what they were going for, it's literally so fucking obvious in this movie. Uh, because really quick, the, the worst part about this movie is the scene where Luke and Leia kiss and then she calls Han a scruffy looking nerf herder which is horrible horrible dialogue that I hate and then yeah it's just weird I guess there's a deleted scene where Luke and Han kissed and I'm not gonna lie I wish they would have left that in that would have been a little interesting you know like especially for a film coming out in 1980 you know um yeah I don't know that would have been kind of cool maybe it's just me it's not just me, but then I've heard people get upset about this because how dare there be gay in Star Wars? Oh no. Um, but don't worry, Disney is uh, super progressive. They promise. They say it all the time. And even though they don't do much, so it's like, you know, obviously in the sequel trilogy, uh, they let Poe and Finn be in a relationship like everybody wanted, like would have been cool, like Oscar Isaac was obviously a huge supporter of. Uh, but but no, we just got a, 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 a lesbian kiss in the background. If you blink, you miss it. Good job, Disney. You you obviously, I don't know. I just think it's done. I, I, you can't say you're progressive and then just not be progressive. I just think that's a little redundant. You know, like, like it's like, oh yeah, we're like, well, we're, they're gonna be gay characters soon. We promise. And it's like, oh, they're in the background. It's like, come on, like, I know what you're doing. You're trying to get money from all the weirdos who will get mad about it, but it's still gonna make money. It regardless. It's mm, it's stupid. The anyway, I'm getting. That's besides the point. Empire Strikes Back is a phenomenal film. Um, it starts off on Hoth, which is a very fun planet. It's just ice. It's just a snow planet because st- if there's one thing Star Wars likes, it's having planets that only have one temperature and one thing about them. You have the sand planet, the tree planet, the snow planet, the volcano planet, the Jar Jar planet. It's weird. I I don't know why planet the city planet. It, I don't know why planets can't just have like like Earth has deserts. It has uh snow has rain it has oceans it has trees and i don't know it's not just one thing (laughs) like but it's star wars it's sci-fi who cares i I do like the fact that there are planets that are just one thing but it's a lot of like that kind of thing uh anyway so yeah so this movie starts out uh on hoth uh luke gets attacked by a wampa which is a fun looking uh monster creature that i like a lot you have the iconic scene of him getting his lightsaber, cutting his arm off. It's all very exciting. Uh, and then the rebels uh, have to escape, and, and Luke gets separated from Han and Leia. Luke, uh, the ghost of Obi-Wan Kenobi, is like, go find Yoda. And Han and Leia are just trying to get the fuck out of there, and they decide the best place to go is Cloud City with Lando. And on the way, you get some of the best fucking scenes in Star Wars ever. Some of the dialogue between Han and Leia, that especially the dialogue that leads to their first kiss, is so fucking good. Like, it might be the best stuff in Star Wars. And that's the thing about this movie that I really like is, in a lot of the more recent Star Wars movies, you'll have the main plot with the Force that's super interesting, and then the side stuff with the side characters is kind of lame and uninteresting and bad. But with this movie, Luke training with Yoda and learning more about about being a Jedi and learning about the Force, that is as interesting as Han and Leia's adventure, where they're like, 
they're falling in love with each other and oh lando's gonna betray them uh and that goes into lando i really like lando i think billy d williams is a, is a great actor i think lando's a great character i think it's a shame that he doesn't get as much to do in return of the jedi or rise of skywalker but hey in this movie he gets a some stuff you he, there's substance to his character he is someone han would hang out with obviously because he invites han to his house uh, to his house to <laughs> to his place uh they all hang out and then he betrays them and then he decides to not unbetray them and it's it's cool it works it's good storytelling it's good character work and uh, we meet boba fett who is a really cool and mysterious kind of similar to darth vader in a new hope uh, and they fucking ruin him in the next movie which is awesome uh, and he was voiced by jeremy bolt and i do like his original voice but i also understand why they decided to go with tamora morrison voicing him because yeah canonically he would sound like him so i get that uh, and then of course uh, because of how cool boba fett's character design is with his armor uh, the idea of like Mandalorians became this really loved thing among Star Wars fans, and that's how you get the Mandalorian was supposed to be a Boba Fett show, but then they decided that they wanted to do certain things and they don't want and people expect Boba to act a certain way, so they changed it. I still think he's gonna show up though, because I don't think he's dead, but that's not the point. Um, yeah, obviously the introduction of Yoda. Yoda is a fantastic character because it's like you know Luke goes to this weird little swamp planet and is like, oh, I'm gonna be trained by this big this great noble jedi you know expecting like maybe an old sage like obi-wan or maybe this like fierce warrior and no he just meets this weird little uh weird little green guy who speaks weirdly and yeah he teaches him a lot because it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how big you are you can still be wise and have something to say and it's it's cool yoda's a, a phenomenal character because he changes luke's perspective and he challenges luke's ideals and Luke doesn't listen to him, and because of that, he gets his hand cut off. So yeah, another thing is like, yeah, Luke gets his hand cut off, and that was that's pretty cool too. That's good character progression, and it thematically leads into Return of the Jedi, which is great. Um, I think all the the training stuff with Yoda is probably my favorite thing in the movie, besides Luke's confrontation with Vader. And yeah, it's just really, it's just cool. I mean, yes, it's a little goofy that Luke is running around with a puppet on his back doing front flips and like swinging around like Tarzan, but. I don't know, man. I, I love that shit. I, I don't know. Even though he's talking to a Muppet and you could be like, oh, that's dumb. It's like, it's really not, man. Yoda's cool as fuck. And making, maybe making him CGI and having him swing a lightsaber was a mistake. Um, but yeah, and also this movie is just in general, the cinematography is so much fucking better than in A New Hope. Um, because like the camera's moving. It's interesting. They're, it Because I think that Lucas is bad at communicating. And with Irvin, I think he had more of an idea of how things should be looking, and it was really, it just came across a lot smoother. Like, uh, shots can take their time. You know, it, it, the camera is more fluid. It's not just kind of, it's not very stale, and I and I really like that. Um, especially in the, and also the fight choreography gets better. Like Luke and Vader's fight is legitimately good and emotional, and it's probably my favorite lightsaber fight in the series. And I don't know. It's I mean, there is the silly part where Vader is just throwing. Uh, boxes at him and he's just swinging not even at the boxes and it is kind of hilarious uh but yeah uh so then you know uh, of course i would be remiss if i didn't talk about han getting frozen in carbonite i think that is a phenomenal scene i do agree with uh, marcus uh whenever uh i say that i think that he should have probably died there because harrison ford only had a contract for two movies he hates being in star wars so it would have been really cool have him die but yeah freezing him in carbonite just to keep it ambiguous is fun um 
and yeah, I don't know. I just like that scene. I like the whole, I love you, I know, because it fits his character. And it's like, cool, because like, you don't want to hear see Han Solo be like, oh, I love you too. And di- Imagine if he just said, I know, and then died right after. That would be such an even more impactful scene. And because the whole I love you, I know thing, that has inspired a bunch of really cheesy shirts at Disneyland that couples can wear together. Anyway, if you're a person who chooses to wear one of those uh, those shirts, go for it, man. Like, like, live your truth. That's great. I think they're incredibly cheesy. But hey, Disney knows how to fuck it. Disney, if Dis- Disney will find a way to fucking get you to buy something at Disneyland. It doesn't matter what. I once bought a $30 Star Wars beanie at Disneyland that I have worn once. And I am not. I think that was a bad investment. Um, and yeah, and, and I'm not going to spend $200 to uh, customize my own lightsaber, even though the idea of it makes me like a little happy. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. You know, what would I do with it? Like, I don't know. Hit people? Like, defend myself? Like, I... I don't have any reason for it, but man, if you want a lightsaber, fucking get yourself a lightsaber, goddammit. Do it now. What are you listening to this for? Go to Disneyland, get a lightsaber. Actually, don't. Please listen to the rest of this podcast, and then go get your lightsaber. Goddamn. Anyway. What the fuck was I talking about? <laughs> um, Yeah, so the, the revelation where uh, Darth Vader, of course, has the iconic line, where uh, he reveals that he is, in fact, Luke's father. He, is Anakin, he was Anakin Skywalker, and Luke doesn't believe it. And decides to jump away from him. Uh, and then luckily Lando save him. And it's just really cool. And sets up the next movie well. Because it, it ends on this wonderful cliffhanger of like, oh my god. Like Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker. Like, like Obi-Wan lied to Luke. And it's great. Like this revelation works because there's nothing in the previous movie. Or this movie that makes it seem like, oh, Vader can't be Anakin. Whereas like Luke and Leia being brother and sister makes no goddamn sense. And yeah, it works. It's cool. I personally really like it. I think it's one of the best revelations in film history. Even if you've never seen these movies, you know the, uh, no, I am your father. Like, you know that line. It's wonderful. I think it, I think it's a cool reveal and it adds to Luke's turmoil and it adds to Vader's character. And the thing that's so cool is leading up to this, they were humanizing Vader's character slowly throughout the film. Because you get that reveal of like, oh, you don't know why he's wearing the mask. All you know is that he, uh, you can hear him breathing. And he wears this armor, but then you see, oh, he like needs it to survive because you see the back of his head and it it looks weird and like damaged and like the, the helmet gets lowered and it's really fucking cool. I really love the the way they treated Vader they handle Vader in this original trilogy. I think it's kind of perfect, actually. Uh, and then Yeah, so that's the Empire Strikes Back. Uh, I think it's the strongest film in the entire fucking series, probably. I, I love it. I think it's the strongest of the original trilogy. So then, after this, it was like, oh, what will happen next? Is Vader Luke's father? Uh, what's going to happen? What are we going to do? And that's when we got, in 1983, Return of the Jedi. So this film was directed by Richard Marquand, my main man, Dick Quad. Uh, cinematography by Alan Hume and Alec Mills. And it was written by George Lucas and Lawrence Kasdan. Now, we, of course, have our returning cast members, but you better believe we have some new cast members. We've got Sebastian Shaw. Uh, not the X-Men villain, the British actor who uh, was replaced as a force ghost by Hayden Christensen. We'll get to that. Uh, you got Ian McDiarmid as the Emperor, which is some of the best casting ever. I love how cheesy and hammy he is, and I love, I just love his performance. I think it's a delight. I got Tim Rose, Warwick Davis, Caroline Blackiston, and Mike Quinn. Isn't that delightful? Uh, so yeah, so first up we learn that there's a second Death Star... And I think that's fucking dumb. I don't think they should have ever done a second Death Star. These films love their planet-destroying technology a little too much. 
and, and don't get me wrong, the, there being a second Death Star isn't what makes this not as good of a movie as the others to me. But And I do love the design. I like that it's unfinished. And I think that's interesting. I like that the Emperor has his little throne room in there. Did he have a throne room on the first Death Star? I don't know. It's probably in a book somewhere that he did. And yeah, but so I don't like this movie as much as I did as a kid. Like, I loved this film as a kid. And I, I like it now. Like I think it's good. I think it's inconsistent. Um, and, and let's get into why real quick. So first up, this this is really a movie of three parts. Like there are three different sort of things going on in this film. So first up, you got Jabba's palace and this convoluted scheme to get Han Solo back. Luke decides to send Lando in disguise to work at Jabba's palace, R2-D2 and C-3PO to work at Jabba's palace uh, with Luke's lightsaber inside of R2-D2. Uh, which, don't worry, that's not as sexy as it sounds, although I will get to writing the fan fiction about Luke fucking R2-D2 in a moment. Uh, and then you've got uh, Leia and Chewbacca showing up in disguise, or Leia's in disguise, but she's bringing Chewbacca, and then she frees Han, and then she gets taken in and, and gets to wear her slave Leia gear, which has become this weird, iconic thing. Personally, I think it was a mistake. I don't really think we should fetishize the word slave. That's all I'm going to say about that. Anyway, let's move forward. Um, then Luke shows up and he threatens to shoot Jabba and don't get me wrong it is kind of cool I think it's weird that he decides to choke out the guards the Gamora guards um, but you know I mean I guess it adds to the whole ooh is he good is he evil uh, which is interesting I do love though how again uh, everybody has a problem with Luke being uh, grumpy in The Last Jedi but he it's okay that he chokes out these guards and kills them at the beginning that's cool that's something that Jedi do and I love Luke's uh, like uh, costume in this film. I love that he's just wearing like all black. It's very cool. It's the thing that people, th- I think it's the outfit people imagine when they think of Luke Skywalker. He's got the glove. It's just really dope. And he's got the green lightsaber, which, oh boy, I love a green lightsaber. I, I, I don't get me wrong. I love the red and blue. And I think the green lightsaber is what the sequel trilogy was missing a little bit. I, I would have liked to have seen more of that. Because I like that in the expanded universe, there's so many, ever since this movie came out, we've seen so many different lightsaber colors. Like we've seen like in the originals, we get blue, red, and green, and then in the, the prequels, we get purple, and then, you know, and all that. But like, man, like we got like yellow, orange, black, white, all sorts of like great and interesting colors. It's like, come on, let's let's do that. Let's let's uh, let's explore this this universe a little more. Let's make it a little bigger. Let's have let's have some of that in the movies. They don't seem interested in doing that though. Um, but yeah, so you got the Jabba's palace stuff. And I will say the, the creature effect for Jabba is fucking magnificent. Like he looks amazing. I think there were like five or six people operating him, and he looks great. He looks disgusting. He's weird. I love it. I love that he doesn't speak English. I think it's cool that they have subtitles for him. Um, I like he, that he has a little rat creature that hangs out with him. It's fun. Um, and yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting. Like I like the Rancor. Uh, I like the Sarlacc pit, uh, even though it literally looked like a butthole. And then they added needless CGI for it. And I don't know, it just there's a lot of... And I love the part where uh, Luke says to Han, hey, I used to live here, you know? And Han says, you're going to die here, you know? It's like, that's fun. Although, it has been pointed out to me that Han would know that Luke lives there because that's where they met, but that's not the point. Um, And yeah, I don't know. It was It's kind of exciting. Like, I, I like it when Luke's swinging his green lightsaber around. I like that Leia gets to kill Jabba because that's at least empowering her a little bit, which is cool. It's bringing back that Leia we know and love even if I think Carrie Fisher is not as good in Return of the Jedi as she is in the other movies. I think she seems a little bored and a little confused by some of the decisions they, they made with her character, which is valid. And same with Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford is sleeping his fucking way through this performance. They wrote him badly. 
And he's performed really badly. And Harrison Ford is great in the other Star Wars movies he's in. Obviously, he's brilliant. But in this one, he did not fucking care. And it shows. Billy D. Williams is a little less good than he was in Empire. And also, it's weird that Han never confronts Lando about betraying him. He just They're just suddenly friends again, and he lets him fly the Millennium Falcon. Like, that's just that's just okay. I don't know. It's, it's fucking weird, man. It's really strange. But hey, Lando gets to blow up the Death Star. I'm going to mention this now because I'm going to forget to later. I thought that was cool. Uh, yeah, the Jabba's Palace stuff, it, well, well, there are aspects of it that I think are fine. Uh, Boba Fett's death is really weird. He just kind of accidentally dies, uh, which is hilarious. And yeah, it's, it's fine. It's kind of needless. Like, I, I wouldn't, I didn't, I feel like this could be trimmed and made a little better instead of it being like this dumb, like convoluted plan that just doesn't make any fucking sense. And that th- we just got to get Leia in a bikini for some reason. That's silly. So the second plot point I'm going to discuss is the Endor stuff uh, where uh, they have to blow up the shield generators so that the Death Star they can blow up the Death Star or something and yeah so it's like Han and Leia and Luke are on the ground with Chewie and with R2-D2 and C-3PO they meet the Ewoks I don't care for the Ewoks I think but it's, it's a marketing thing that they're there to sell toys and to be a cute thing for the children to look at and I do think the Ewoks are cute but they're a little unnecessary um, and I don't really care about them and yeah so then this is where we get uh, Luke and Leia discuss how Luke found out oh yeah also I forgot Luke goes to Dagobah and then Yoda's like yeah Vader's your dad and then he dies and then Obi-Wan's like I'm sorry and then yeah that's when he learns Leia's his sister and shit so then he tells Leia that Leia is his sister and Leia is all like oh wow I guess I always knew we were brother and sister it's like oh is that why you, you've kissed him so many times you, you weirdo and then Han, it, then the love triangle continued because then Han's like, oh, you can tell Luke you're in love with him. And it's like, what the fuck is happening? Can we just, can we not? Like, the love triangle's fine if, you, if they're not brother and sister, but just, why? It, it kind of fucking, it, the older I get, the more this is starting to bother me. I think it's really weird. Anyway. Um, so yeah, so the indoor stuff, I just, I think is the weakest aspect. It is fun that they retconned Captain Rex from the Clone Wars to being in it, even though that makes no, that doesn't, like, it obviously wasn't planned, but it's like, oh, look, there's a guy with a beard who sort of looks like him, maybe, but not really. Let's say it's him. Why not? Um, and yeah, and you get some, uh, you get Admiral Akbar, and because he's he looks like a fish man, he looks like a very a good friend to hang out with. Uh, and because his species is named after a, a, a wonderful delicacy that you can get at your uh, local restaurants, especially in San Diego, where I live. Um, he, because he says it's a trap, that makes him a real character, apparently. Um, <laughs> and I can't wait to talk about my opinion about Admiral Akbar when we get to the sequel trilogy, because everybody suddenly, when Last Jedi came out, because they're misogynists, decided that Akbar is a real character. He's not. I'm sorry <laughs> to break it to you. Um, and yeah, so the, yeah, some of the space battle stuff is fun. Uh, the indoor stuff, I, I can. It's not that interesting. I do kind of like the moment where Han's like, "I love you," and Leia's like, "I know." It's kind of cute, but it's also kind of dumb. Whatever. Uh, the indoor stuff really isn't worth talking about. I don't think that much. But the stuff that is worth talking about is the thing that makes this movie so goddamn good. That is all the Luke and Vader stuff. The second that Luke and Vader go up to the Death Star and they have their confrontation with Palpatine and it's this three-way discussion about morality and everything, it's wonderful. It's some of the best filmmaking ever. It is unbelievably cool because it's this aspect where like Palpatine is fighting for a couple things on one hand he wants 
Luke to turn to the dark side and kill Vader so he can train him because then Luke will be young and strong. On another hand, if Luke kills him, then Luke is in anger, then Luke is going to have turned to the dark side and then Luke is going to take his place essentially as this symbol of hatred and evil ooh, in the galaxy. But then it's also like maybe he can get the best of both worlds and he can just have Vader and Luke together. But it doesn't really make sense because now we know about the rule of two with the Sith where there can't be more than that. And he probably would have had Luke kill Vader eventually anyway. Basically, in Palpatine's opinion, all he wants is to have power or to have a seat of power exist somehow. And we also know if Luke had killed him, he would have just been alive again anyway. Oh, oh, J.J. Abrams, you scoundrel. And yeah, you know, um, and then but from Vader's perspective, he just wants Palpatine to either die so he can have Luke on his side. And then they can rule the galaxy as father and son. Or he just wants a situation where he can still hang out with Luke. You know, they can go play catch. They can go catch a movie. Maybe they can smoke some weed together. Like fathers and sons do. And then, uh, yeah, Palpatine will just kind of be there, bossing him around. Uh, And then Luke, from his perspective, he wants to bring his father back to the light side. And get rid of Palpatine and end the war. And guess what? Luke kind of gets the victory here. And you see these moments of him like wanting to embrace his hatred, like where he almost kills Palpatine at one point, but Vader stops him because Vader doesn't want him to become like himself. And it's nice. And then their fight in this is so emotional and wonderful and it's good. And then at one point, Luke almost fucking kills him and goes crazy, chops off his hand, sees he's becoming like him. And then also just thematically and and, uh, symbolically, it's so great to see that in the middle of the fight that his uh, all black outfit kind of opens up and then you see the white inside because... Hey, he was actually, he was a, he was a good guy all along. Even if he was like, you know, thinking about just because he got a little angry, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's bad. Like it's okay to feel things and be upset, but ultimately you're still a good person and it's fine. And then uh, Vader, of course, turns back to the light, becomes Anakin Skywalker again and uh, kills Palpatine and throws him down a shaft because Palpatine was just hamming it up with, (laughs) with his delightful performance. I just love how fucking evil he is. I just think it's fun. I think it's cool. And then he gets a, because he's using force lightning, Vader gets electrocuted and it's going to kill him because his fucking, you know, robot suit that's keeping him alive is uh, not working anymore. And then, so Palpatine's dead, but not really JK. Thank you. Thank you, JJ Abrams. Thank you so much. You're, you're a really great filmmaker. Keep writing Spider-Man comics uh, with your son, please. They're so good. I, I just love everything you make. You know, it's a, I'm, we will talk about JJ. We will talk about him soon. I promise. Uh, and yeah, and then Luca takes off Vader's helmet. It's Sebastian Shaw, and he's like, "You were right. Your sister was right. I'm a good man now." And then he dies. So he's redeemed. Uh, so then, uh, you know, they celebrate on Endor. They have their wonderful party. I do like that the Ewoks are playing the stormtroopers' helmets like drums. And then you see the Force ghosts, and it's uh, Obi Wan, Yoda, and uh, Anakin. It was originally Sebastian Shaw. They changed it to Hayden Christensen. Because George Lucas said, well, that was the last time he was good was when he was Anakin. It's like, well, no, when he looked like Anakin, he killed children. And like Sebastian shot, like that was a little more like where it's like, oh, who is that? Oh, it's Anakin. Yay. I do think the force ghost rule is weird because I think that it's been established now in canon that like it's a thing you have to train to do. But then also some people can just do it like Anakin can just do it. And it's fine. And then it's also like, wait. If Anakin can do it, why didn't his body disappear? But then why do other characters in other movies' bodies disappear and then they don't do it? It's really confusing and strange. And uh, that's Star Wars for you. (laughs) 
it's kind of confusing and strange sometimes. And I, and I do think overall this is the best trilogy. I think it's got a lot of good moments. I think it has a wonderful ending. Even if I and uh, you know breaking it down, I think A New Hope is amazing. I think Empire Strikes Back is phenomenal. I think Return of the Jedi is just really weird and like inconsistent, but I do like it a lot. I think the good stuff is so good that it really outweighs the bad. Um, and yeah, that, that's Star Wars for you. That's, that's the first part of this four-part fucking Star Wars series, which I'm excited to explore with you. Um, it's really weird not having Anthony here, but hey, you know, we're going to make this work. We're going to do this. Um, and we're going we're to see where this goes because, uh, yeah, I was a little nervous and I was like, what will call my nerves better than Star Wars? I'll tell you what, a nice cold brew with no water from Starbucks. They are not sponsoring this. I just like cold brew a lot. So, be sure to listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcast, and SoundCloud. And if you listen to us on iTunes, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review and a rating. It really helps out the show. And if you leave us a review, we will be sure to read it on air. Just keep in mind we record two months in advance. And please recommend us to your family, friends, and sworn enemies. And a thanks to Sam, our sound engineer, for helping us record the episode. And to Ben for the intro. And a shout out to Tommy Red Fleming for designing our logo. Check the show notes for his Instagram. Uh, so yeah, that's, a, that's the first of four for Star Wars. For my Star Wars episode. It's going to be fucking fun. So please join me for this wacky ride into this strange franchise I love and is extremely popular. Uh, and uh, with that said, uh, this has been Shot on Film. I'm Caleb and good night.